The Old Testament reading for this Sunday, the second Sunday of the church year, is from the prophet Isaiah, the 11th chapter, beginning the first verse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, and the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, the 15th chapter, beginning in the 4th verse. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and, moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up. One who will rise to rule over the nations, in him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Talking about today making straight paths and that, and I was thinking about when I was young and uh, walking home from the bus stop. Uh, we had about a half a mile to walk, and about a quarter of that mile was through open desert. And so making a new path, which we decided to do one time, was pretty easy. You just, for a few days, walked on the same footsteps that you did the day before, and voila, you had a new path. And out there in the desert, in the soft sand, if you wanted to make a new road, it was pretty easy. You just take a road grader and just plow a new road, and that was your road. That was done. It gets a lot more difficult to make roads and paths if there are trees and rocks in the way. And I remember reading about a group of immigrants that were headed for California from Illinois. And uh, I won't mention their names, you might know who they are. But they got a late start in the summer. Uh, they were a group of wagons. And they got into Wyoming and they decided to take a vaunted shortcut, which was unproven. And they took a long time going through the Wasatch Mountains in Utah there uh, on this shortcut. They, had, they ended up in the high mountains having to cut a trail for themselves, cut down trees, move boulders. It was tedious work and it slowed them down, uh, unfortunately, in their route to California. Some roads, some paths, 
are more difficult to make than others. If you go online and look for difficult roads, you're going to find roads etched in the side of cliffs, uh, some roads that I wouldn't drive in my dreams. You're going to find uh, roads across swamps, bridges, very expensive roads to build, all kinds of difficulties overcome, even like our I-70 through the mountains. What a beautiful highway that is, but how difficult that was to build. Some roads are more difficult to build than others. Isaiah prophesies in the Old Testament, prophesies the coming of the Messiah, but he prophesies that one will come before the Messiah to build a road, make a straight way in the desert. That's not the easy road building that I talked about. This is the most difficult road to build. It's this imagery of making a path, of cutting a road, making a way through the wilderness to prepare for the coming of the Christ. And this is the whole ministry of John the Baptist. He came preaching that the Messiah, the Lord, was coming, that he was coming in grace and in judgment with his winnowing fork in his hand. The baptism that he would baptize with in the spirit and with fire. That is word of grace and word of judgment that John brings to the people. John says now is the time to prepare that road, to prepare and be ready for his coming. He confronted the people with their sin, with their rebellion, with their idolatry. And the path that John was cutting was difficult terrain. It was dangerous terrain, as we know from his beheading later on for what he was preaching. Repent, he cries out, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Matthew tells us that John is the one who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And John thought, and John knew, I think, that the uh, road building of his day was going to be challenging based on the condition of the people. What do you suppose he would think of our culture's 21st century condition with the rising percentage of the religiously unaffiliated, with the postmodern and post-postmodern denial of absolute truth and moral compass? with the ready acceptance of false religions and an increasing intolerance of biblical confessional Christianity. With a significant portion of the, quote, Christian churches today denying faith alone or Jesus' resurrection from the dead or even the validity of the truth of the word of God. We know that the cry of John the Baptist 
is an important message for the church of our day as well. It will always be an important message for society and the church. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Matthew describes John the Baptist, his central message of his days there in the wilderness. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John says that the way to prepare this road, to prepare for the coming of the Christ, first of all, is to repent. And repentance, as we have said, is a serious business. We say, oh yeah, I know it. I repented at the beginning of the service. Remember, Pastor? <laughs> I admitted that I was a sinner. That's repentance. But is it really? It can be. Was it for you? Was it for me? As I said those words this morning. One pastor put it this way. This is a time to quit kidding ourselves about how good we are, how holy we're becoming, and honestly recognize our sins, our thoughts, our words, our actions, and repent. It's easy to say, I'm a sinner. It's another thing altogether to recognize and even to agonize over the brokenness of my spirit. And by that I actually mean my flesh. Deep within me. The ease with which we succumb to this or that temptation, to this or that sin of anger or resentment, of coveting or, or dissatisfaction, taking what is not ours, or hiding the truth. John the Baptist certainly did not mince words. Just like the prophets of old, he was brutally honest with the people about the dire straits that we're all in and about the grace of God. To repent doesn't just mean being sorry for our sins. It also involves faith. It involves belief in God's grace for sinners and in his desire to forgive us for the sake of Christ's saving work. Without that faith worked in us by the Holy Spirit, being sorry goes nowhere, does nothing. It's a road that leads, literally, to a dead end. John says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here he points people to God's grace to the saving work that Christ will do on our behalf and what a vantage point we have today as we hear those words repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand we are blessed to know the suffering of the Lamb of God to know his death on the cross to know his burial in the tomb to know the resurrection on Easter morning and its power, his ascension to the right hand of God where he reigns.
John came to prepare the way for that kingdom of heaven, and we believe and confess that Christ is reigning in it now, King of kings and Lord of lords. And just as John called the people of old to repent, so we in the church today observe the season of Advent to examine ourselves, to repent ourselves of our sin, to ensure that there is no tree, no rock, no impediment in our hearts to the coming of the Christ to us. No false repentance that's just going through the motions. No pride that says, I don't need to repent. I'm doing well. I'm in complete control of my sinful nature. I can stop anytime. I have it on a short leash. It won't get the best of me. We find it difficult to say, I'm sorry, and I was wrong. We'd much more likely rather yell or scream or argue about our innocence, even in some way with God. Are there sins in our lives that are blocking the peace of forgiveness from God? The Holy Spirit says to us today through the words of John the Baptist, repent of them, confess them. Then the road will be straight, then the path will be clear, and Christ will come to us again with his forgiveness and with peace for our souls. So that confession of our sin and receiving God's forgiveness is a rhythm for the life of the Christian. And Advent is a good time to be reminded of that. Another way that we can prepare Christ's path is to remember our baptism, to live in our baptismal grace. And the Jews had many ritual washings that they uh, underwent, that they performed, that would represent a purification from sin. In the excavations at Qumran, which is actually not very far from where John the Baptist was preaching and baptizing in the Jordan, these archaeological digs have unearthed these mikvahs, which were ritual pools for washing, made of stone or even dug out of the stone, deep enough that someone could walk down into the pool and be cleansed. But John's baptism is not a ritual cleansing. It's a one-time washing that did deliver the forgiveness of sins. In St. Mark's Gospel, we read that John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, so in some way his baptism is a forerunner of your baptism, my baptism, a one-time washing that forgives sins. As we prepare Christ's path in our hearts in this Advent season, we remember and we treasure our own baptism 
In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and the grace that we received there and the forgiveness of our sins. John said, He who is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We have received the preaching and the baptism of this one that he talks about, that is greater than himself. When you were baptized, you were united with Christ. You received the Holy Spirit. You were linked with the saving work of Christ, with his death, with his resurrection, and his obedient life. Remembering our own baptism, remembering its benefits, treasuring it, rejoicing in the peace and comfort that it brings is an important part of preparing the way for Christ to come this Advent season. Baptism is one of the spiritual foundations of our lives. And Advent is a time when we can ponder and celebrate that foundational washing away of our sins, our reception of the gift of the Holy Spirit into our lives, and our new life in Christ. Another aspect of preparing for Christ's coming can be found in John's admonishing the people to bear the fruit of repentance. Now this is where it might get a little challenging. When we hear talk like this, it kind of makes us squirm inside a little. Maybe that's our good Lutheran heritage, uh, struggling against works righteousness, but it's also law for us. Bear the fruit of repentance. And we say, well, here comes a list of things for me to do. Just what sort of good fruit should I be producing, Pastor? And John says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Harsh words. As we examine ourselves, we have to ask the question, if we're poor, miserable sinners, how can we produce good fruit? The good news is that just as the Holy Spirit produces repentance in us and faith, so it is not us but the Holy Spirit who will produce the good fruit. The Holy Spirit we received in our baptism when we were united with Christ. The fruit we cannot by our sinful nature produce Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These the Holy Spirit can and does and will produce in us. The path for Christ is prepared by bearing the fruit of faith for the world to see. Miracle fruit brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in our baptism we have died with Christ and have been raised to new life, the scriptures say. New life, producing good fruit. If we look at it as our work to do, then it sounds pretty overwhelming. And I tell you, it will be impossible because our sinful flesh cannot produce it. 
But preparing Christ's path begins for each one of us in our own hearts, in repentance and confession of our sins, in recognition that we live each day in our baptismal grace. The Holy Spirit will produce its fruit, and the pathway to our hearts will be wide open for the coming of Christ. As the baby in the manger, as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and as King and Lord and even Judge on that final day. As the Church of God and as Christ's body on earth, we want everyone to experience the love of God in Christ Jesus, that same love that we have experienced. And so the church fulfills its call, just as John the Baptist did, by calling all people to repent and to confess their sins. By repenting ourselves and confessing our sins, receiving the forgiveness of Christ, being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. We want that for all people and to bear the fruit of repentance through the working of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, bring us and all people to repentance in faith, that Christ's path might be prepared in us and in the world Christ died to save. In the name of Jesus, who died and rose, that we might be his own. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>